Psalms 37, 4 and 5. This is our scripture for the year, for the rest of the year. Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. Give God the right to direct your life. And as you trust him along the way, you'll find he pulled it off perfectly. And I know that the church world is rejoicing this week because of Roe versus Wade, which is a, a great celebration. But I want to say this. That should just be a start for the body of Christ. You know, if, let me just say this. If laws could legislate morality, we would have a lot of morality on this planet. Just because something is a law, to most people that doesn't mean anything. And I know some people may disagree with this, and I'm not trying to belittle what just happened, but I am saying this. My job and your job is to get the people who don't believe like we do that that is a person on the inside of them. Your job and my job is to pray for them and to do our best to love them and to hope that they get their eyes opened up because now there's even greater division in this nation. There's great division in us, and um, I just believe it's, it's your goal and my goal should be to cause people to see. Psalms 139 says that God talks about that person, that baby on the inside of a woman. He talks about that. But you know what? If they don't believe that, then I, I get I get it. I get why they're, they're doing all of this. I get it. But I want to say something because I feel like the church is missing opportunities. Man, you go on social media and I'm talking about ministers. I'm talking about Christians. Listen to me now. You listening to my heart? I'm talking about Christians on social media that are spewing out this venom. Let me just give you... I thought, for God so loved the world. That is every person on this planet. If we're not careful, church, we can spew out hatred to a degree that you will never be able to minister to the ones that you are hating and showing hate. If you don't get anything out of my messages, please get this. Get the heart of this. There's no way we can show hatred and then turn around and think we're going to minister to those people. I want to say it again. There's no way you can show unkindness and hatred to people. And that includes people of a different political group that you are in disagreement with. There's no way we can... Let me just ask you this. Do you think that God loves Republicans, Democrats, Independents, and no, people who are not affiliated with anybody? Do you think God loves them all? Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Having said that, 
We need to be very careful how we portray in social media our opinions, our thoughts. It better be filled with love because there's going to come a day when God will may want to use the church. Isn't this a crazy idea? He may want to use the church to, to minister to people who are not like us. <laughs> oh, this probably won't be the most popular message I've preached. But I just know this. I stay out of politics because I feel like God has set me on a path to minister to everybody. And I'm thankful for the ministers, the people who are strong in that area. If that's what they're called to do, they're going to get an amen from me. But that's just not me. And it's not because, and people have said this about me, you're compromising you're not standing up for this. You're not standing up for that. There's people who have quit our church because of that, which is fine. But I'm not going to be held accountable for anybody in this church. I'm only held accountable for my God, my Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, what he's told me to do. In the ministry that I feel like he's put me on. And I know there's people who, who judge me, and I tell you what, man, I... I have been judged stronger, more by Christians than some heathen. Can you love those who disagree with you? Can you? Are you praying for those who disagree with you? Focusing on what's important to Jesus. What do you think is the most important thing to Jesus? People. That is the most important thing to Jesus. People. Red and yellow, black and white. They are precious in his sight. So my point is this. Even though that's... You know, maybe a great victory, but I'm telling you what, we have to believe God to pull everybody in who doesn't believe that. There's a quote by William Barclay. He says, one of the highest of human duties is the duty, duty of encouragement. It is easy to discourage others. The world is full of discouragers. We have a Christian duty to encourage one another. We have a duty to encourage one another. And so we have to stay focused. It's easy. It is so easy in the, in the world in which we live, especially in the United States, to just turn on the TV or to, even worse, look at social media and see what everybody is saying. I mean, I have to admit, there's times that I, I'm embarrassed how Christians respond to people. It's, it's just like the world. Like you hate, there's people that, Christians that literally hate people who disagree with them. And I believe part of that is because we've lost our focus. The church has lost our focus. Our focus should be people, loving people, ministering to broken-hearted people. 
I know this is going to be a sobering message. I knew that when I was preparing it. I just didn't think it would be this sobering. But anyway, Proverbs 4.25 says this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. In other words, as a church, as somebody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be focused on what it's all about. What it's all about. Let me just say this. You know, the scripture that we, the Lord has given us in Psalms 37, 4 and 5, it says, Make God the utmost delight and pleasure of your life, and he will provide for you what you desire the most. That I underlie, I've been meditating on that. One part just stuck out to me this week. He will provide for you what you desire the most. So I got this, that the more that we spend with Jesus, the more time we spend with the Father God, the more that we read the word, I feel like God is going to give us a particular desire. God gives us the desire. And then it says, give God the right to direct your life. In other words... God places something in our heart, and then he will give you grace to pursue that. And it'll be a happy journey. You know, and that's why I've always told people, I said, if you don't enjoy what you're doing in life, you're missing God. Now, don't get me wrong. Let me rephrase that. Temporarily, you know, uh, Spencer, he's a doctor. He has to go to school for 10 years. I'm sure those weren't lovely 10 years of joy. But he knew what the outcome was going to be. So I'm not saying that what you do, sometimes you just got to suck it up and pull up your bootstraps and get through that because you know what you're going to be doing. You understand what I'm saying? But I'm talking about somebody who does a career for 50 years, which I've heard people, Christians even, do something for 50 years and say they hated their job. I don't tell them to their face. I say it behind the pulpit. You miss God. God will provide you the desire, and the more you focus on that desire that he gave you, it will become the most wonderful thing to you. The most wonderful thing to you. You just have to trust him. Trust him. Because what we consider is going to affect our heart. Abraham said this. He said, the Bible says, he considered not his body. I'm trying to do that. Something starting to attack my body, I say, I'm not considering you, body. That's another thought. But anyway, it doesn't matter what we know. It's what we think on that controls whether our hearts are going to be hard or soft. It's what you're thinking on. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 3 says this. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Seek those things which are above. Seek those things which are above. And sometimes we can be so focused-minded on the things of the earth that we think winning an election is the greatest thing on the planet. Which I don't get me wrong, I, I'm 
grateful for that. Like Melody says, we need to get out and vote. But I'm telling you, winning the world for Jesus is the greatest thing. Because like I said, we can have laws in place. Let me just say this. What if there, it was totally legal for everybody to have abortion no matter what. But we got the good news out and we got everybody by the grace of God to believe that that was a baby. Would it matter what law was in place? That's my goal. I don't care what anybody uh, or Congress, what kind of law they place. If we can change the hearts and the minds of people, it doesn't really matter, does it? Come on now. Now, don't get in the ditch on me and say, oh, a pastor doesn't care about the laws. I do. I do. But I just think there's a higher realm to live. And that realm is to change people's hearts. And this is why Paul went around the world preaching the good news to change people's hearts and the way they think about God. I think that's a good cause. I think that's a great cause. Instead of hating people because they believe in this and they believe in that. Okay, let me just show you the love of my father. Since then, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you died. Probably won't see that on anybody's refrigerator. You died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. So, what does that mean? Focus on really what matters, people. We have... The ability within us to do something greater than what we think. If you don't have a strong desire. Let's just say, I don't know if God's really put something stronger than me. Then this is what you're supposed to do in the meantime. Then help those that do have that. Help those. Pray for them. Whatever you can do. Serving God and going to church should not be lifeless. It shouldn't be lifeless. It's easy to come to a place or position of just losing your love for people because of all the evil that's going on. It is. It's easy to lose love for people. You watch the news, and that's why I don't watch the news, but if you watch, I just read the headlines, and it could be discouraging. But it's easy to lose your love for people if, if you just see what the evil of everybody's doing. Let me just ask you this. What if God took that perspective? God says, Jesus, I want you to go down there. Have you seen what these people do? Have you seen? I mean, and you want me to go down there and become one with them? I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I would have said, can we vote? Just saying, yep, Gabriel, what do you think? You on my side? I mean, I mean, have you seen how evil people are? And then to know beforehand what they're going to do to you. These people that you're coming down to give your life to, what they're going to do to you. He knew what they were going to do to him. He knew. He picked Judas. Oh, my goodness. He picked Judas knowing that he was going to betray him. He picked Thomas knowing that he would doubt him. He picked Peter knowing that he would just say, I know I've never knew the man. He picked these guys. Those are the ones he picked, handpicked. I don't know about you, but I thought 
Wasn't there anybody any better? I just know this. This is why he picks you and me. He's not looking for perfect people. He's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people with issues, people who don't have their act together, people who may never get their act together. And I do mean never. I mean like until they get in the grave. And then Jesus says, well, I'm going to help you on your act now. (laughs) There's people like that. And guess what? He still loves them. He washed Judas' feet just like he did the other 11. So it's easy to become numb to people because of what they're doing. And just become numb as far as the heart of God. It's easy to become numb to, to what's going on on this planet. I'm 63. I just had a birthday, so I had to think. 63? I was born in 59. Is that 63? Okay, just checking. For some reason, that sounds really odd. Or like a big number. I don't know which one. But anyway, this is the point. I've never seen the United States or the whole world in a situation like this. I never have. I've never seen this much division. So much hatred being shown. I never have. And so it's easy to just keep retreating and retreating and getting number and number and just like backing off. So this is what I want us to do as a church. This is going to be a little different. We're going to talk about focusing. This is what we're going to focus on. Paul asked for prayer. This dude knew God. He wrote three-fourths in the New Testament. And Paul said, I need prayer. I was thinking about this week and I thought, if Paul needed prayer, dear Lord in heaven... Do we need prayer? And actually, he didn't ask for prayer. If you read the different translations in the original Greek and the Arabic, he demanded it. He didn't say, I would like for you all to pray for me. He says, no, you all are going to pray for me. He raised up people so he could speak that into their life. You can only speak into people's life who you have a voice in their life. I can't speak to everybody. I can only speak to those who allow me, my voice to be in their life. So, this is what he said. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, pray for us that the Lord's message will continue to spread rapidly. And its glory be recognized everywhere just as it was with you. And pray that God will rescue us from wicked and evil people. For not everyone believes the message. I believe believe it's still like that today. 1 Thessalonians 5.25 Now, beloved ones, pray for us. Romans 15.30 The Passion Translation through 32 says this. That's why I plead with you, because of your union with our Lord Jesus Christ, to be partners with me and your prayers to God. My dear brothers and sisters in faith, with the love we share in the Holy Spirit, fight alongside me in prayer. Fight alongside me in prayer. 
Ask the Father to deliver me from the danger I face from the unbelievers in Judea. For I want to make sure that the contribution I carry for Jerusalem will be favorably received by God's holy ones. So he was taking the, the needs of the people to them. Then he will send me to you with great joy, the pleasure of God's will, and I will be spiritually refreshed by your fellowship. For the last few months, I don't even think it's been a year, but I believe God has put something inside of me that didn't come from Mike Davis. All of a sudden, I have a strong desire to be a vessel of his goodness and his goodness to be manifested through me and through this church. You say, oh, okay. No. Let me reiterate what that means. What does that mean? For me to be a vessel of his goodness. First of all, Jesus said we would be known by things like love and fruit. You shall be known by your love for one another. You should be known by your fruit. People will know you by your fruit. I think, you know, as a rule, the church has shoved the gospel down people's throat. And it was not received very well. And still isn't. It's not. Do I believe in evangelism? Yes. But I believe something that we haven't really got a hold of is showing the world how much we care. Not just to get you to join us, but how much we love you. You'll be known by your fruit and by your love for one another. Generosity is a great demonstration in both of these areas, your fruit and your love. Being generous. Being generous. And I'm telling you what, even as a Christian, you have to work on that. There's people that are tighter than all get out. Squeaky squeak. They're so tight. I'm thankful for the examples that I've had in my life. Ralph Hagemeyer, Melody's dad is the most generous person on the planet that I've ever met. He just lives it. He doesn't have to try. He just lives it. He's given, and I take care of his personal finances, finances and, man, he, he gives what stuff away. And, Dad, you sure about that? Because <laughs> I get nervous. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be fine. God will provide. He always does. He always does. I said he always does. And so for the goodness to be manifested, this is what I feel like has been birthed out of this. You know, in Acts chapter 4, the end of chapter 4 and beginning of chapter 5, the Bible says that people brought their wealth to the church. People brought their wealth to the church. And the Bible says that Peter and the disciples, they dispersed all the wealth, and there was not one needy person. <laughs> that just does something to me.
I want multi-millions of dollars to come into my hands. And this offends you. I'll be real blunt. This church isn't for you. How about that? You probably won't hear too many pastors say that, but it's just not. This isn't your cup of tea. You know, when I go to the airport, if I'm going to Louisville, Kentucky, I never get on a plane that says Los Angeles because I know I won't get there. So this is the direction this church is going. So my point is all aboard. I made a list. I've got about, I've never even shared this with Melanie. I made a list in my phone. I've got about 12 people I'm going to pay their house off or buy them a house. One of the two. I know, that's odd. You think, yeah. Especially being a pastor because pastors aren't supposed to have money. So but it's really hard. I've come to the conclusion it's really hard to buy somebody a house if you don't have money. I mean, I'm not the greatest in English, but I am pretty good in math. But uh, it takes money to buy somebody or pay somebody's house off. To buy somebody, I've got a couple people I want to... Make sure they have a great vehicle. So it's just in my heart. No needy person among them. Can you pull up 2 Corinthians 9.8, the New Living Testament? 2 Corinthians 9.8. I didn't give this to Tiff. The NLT. I'm going to take a couple minutes extra. Is that all right with everybody? God. Well, what's that word? Did you know God is the most generous person you and I can even think about? God will generously, what? Provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need. And plenty left over. That's the heart of God. I said that's the heart of God. And you tell me if a people group will stand up and do that if you won't have the ear of the people. It's really hard to tell somebody something that they don't want to hear. But if you can provide their need, all of a sudden they want to hear what you've got to say. I know this is different. But I just feel like I wrote this down for you all to hear. There's a door for us to walk through to be a blessing to others. We can make a difference. We can make a difference in this city. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 says this. He has rescued us from terrifying encounters with death, and now we fasten our hopes on him to continue to deliver us from death yet again. As you labor together with us through prayer, because there are many interceding for us, our deliverance will cause even more people to give thanks to God. What a gracious gift of mercy surrounds us because of your prayers. The Passion Translation, verse 11, that phrase, as you labor together with us through prayer, it says, or as you lift up your faces to God in prayer. Paul knew that intercessory prayer has the power to change the future. I don't have millions of dollars, obviously. 
And so, I just want to know if anybody wants to get on this aircraft headed for that direction. I know. People think, is that really what church? That, no, not every church. No. There's some church that they evangelize in a different way. There's some churches that are po- more political. There's some churches that are they're reaching out maybe to uh, a homeless shelter. There's some, and it, but listen to me. There's so many different things. But listen, the church can't do everything. Are you hearing me? People come to me, Pastor, this would be a good thing to do. It sure will. Go for it. Well, I just think the church ought to do it. Now, listen to me. You can bring your ideas to me, but I'm not going to do only if you're open to hear no. People brought ideas. Well, the church should be doing this. There are churches in the city that are doing that. Probably. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is the only thing. I mean, I can walk and chew gum at the same time. I understand that. I mean, we can do more than one thing. But at the same time, you know, there's, there's not a hundred good things. There's great things to do and good things to do. But there's usually... Only a couple of things that, that are God things to do. Are you hearing me? You know what? And if I'm off base with this, then I just believe God will straighten me out. He's big enough to do that. Ephesians 6.19 says, And pray also that God's revelation would be released through me every time I preach the wonderful ministry of the hope-filled gospel. Yes, pray that I may preach the wonderful news of God's kingdom with bold freedom at every opportunity, even though I am chained as a prisoner and I am an ambassador here he was in prison he says pray for me that I can get the good news out (laughs) oh my goodness Paul was so unique Paul knew when we pray for someone in ministry we join with them in ministry I was uh, at Ramah a student and uh, actually I think I graduated and we Melody it was actually her great idea, and I thought, that's a God idea. We went to school for two years, and they only paid for about half of what it was worth. We should have been paying double. And she says, I think we ought to give back, and we'll give back two years. So, man, we jumped in church, and we volunteered viciously. I was working full-time. She was working part-time. And, man, every chance we got, you know, we'd help the church out and did everything. And I remember I helped... At that particular time, the church outgrew their sanctuary, and so they had a big gym. So every Saturday night, they would turn the gym into a church. And so every Saturday night, I would go, and they had to sit sit it up for 5,000 people, and they had to sit up the sound system because it was just a gym. So I thought, man, I would enjoy doing the sound system. So I joined the sound team. And so it took, you know, a few hours to set that up. And at one point, uh, uh, we were doing like a, a big, it was Winter Bible Seminar. We're about six or 7,000, so we really had to do it tight. And after we were done, it took a longer time to do it because it was special services. And I remember uh, Nathan's dad, Cliff Payton, he was in charge of the sound team. And he just got us all together after we finished. He says, I just want you all to know something. You're going to get the same reward and benefit and the pat on the back. That Brother Hagen's going to get tomorrow. God's going to do it for you as well. The same. No, none of us preach, but he said this. If there was no sound system, there would be no Kenneth Hagen speaking tomorrow. 
If there's not chairs, 5,000 chairs put out, there would be nobody sitting to listen. That's what ministry is all about. It's not one person doing this. It's all of us joining hands together. That's when you remember when Saul got knocked off the horse, became Paul, and Saul said, you know, you've been doing all this to me. He was going, criticizing, locking up Christians and everything. And Jesus said, you've been doing that to me. He took that personal. He also takes personal when you do good things for people. It's all about people. So we need to do good things for people. And that includes those who disagree with us. I know this is different, but we just need to love all people. And I've been guilty of it. I mean, there's some people I think, I'd like to slap the holy snot out of you and then ask for forgiveness. I mean, there's people saying some stupid things. Is there not? And there's people doing some stupid things. And Jesus died for them. He spilled his blood for them. So I just have to get a different perspective. Little attitude check. No, we don't compromise the message. Are you hearing me? So don't think that's what I'm saying. No, we don't compromise the message. We don't compromise what we believe. But we better had a different attitude about how we talk to people and even disagree with people. They should not think that we hate them because we disagree with them. I want to make sure I always have a red carpet out to everybody. Democrats, Republicans, abortionists, homosexuals, everybody. Everybody. I want to make sure there's a red carpet out that I'm able to speak into their life and tell them about the love of God. And I know that may rub some people the wrong way. But I truly believe that's the heart of my father. Because he shed his blood for everybody. We just have to get the good news out that he loves them. No, he doesn't like the sin. Let me ask you, does he like the sin in your life? No, he doesn't. Does he love you? Absolutely. Does he accept you? Absolutely. In spite of yourself, he accepts you. And loves you to the nth degree. So we just have to get a different perspective and focus on what Jesus wants us to focus on. And that's people. Amen. Can I get an amen? amen? Let's stand. Praise God. I just know that love never fails, never gives up, becomes obsolete comes to an end. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. But the heart of God is to love. Love never fails. Love conquers. You cannot stop love. You can't conquer it. There's no weapon against it. There is no weapon against it. There's no law that can stop it. There's not a people group that can stop it. 
never failed. And guess what? That's in you and me today. Father, I pray for Rocky Mountain Family Church, our family. I pray for the church in general. But Father, I pray that our eyes would be open. Paul said in Ephesians 1, 16, 3, 16, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that we may know. Remind us who we are. Remind us what our focus should be. Remind us, Holy Ghost, that it's all about people. Those who agree with us, those who disagree with us, those who even become our enemies. For this is why Jesus said, love your enemies. We need your grace to be able to do that, God. We need your help to do that. But obviously we can do that because Jesus commanded us to love our enemies. Love those who hate you, persecute you, despitefully say negative things against you. Love them. Father, I cry out for mercy for the church. That we've not done a great job. But I say have mercy on us and let your grace flow through us. That it may reach the darkest corner of Pueblo, Colorado. That it may reach the prostitutes, the homosexuals, the, the lesbians, the, the those that have had abortion. May the love of God reach them and let them know that God loves them. He loves them. He's not against them. He's actually for them. Help us to be a voice for all of them, Lord. Help us to be a voice of love. That this city may change for the glory of God, that His goodness may be on display in our city and our church. His goodness will be on display for all to see like a trophy. That we can say worthy is our God. Only God caused this to happen. No pastor, no minister, nobody could do this. But it was God. It was God. May this be the testimony of the body of Christ in our city, Lord, in Jesus' name.